0: Hey there, and welcome to the Fedora podcast. This is episode number 32. I'm your host, Eric, the IT Guy Hendricks. And today we are going to be introducing a new segment, a new line of, well, we'll call it a story arc. Sure, why not? Um, we're going to be talking to a lot of folks in the community in that uh, that work with and for and around Fedora, or maybe even can just spell Fedora and we're going to talk about uh how do you fedora so we're going to be talking to contributors we're going to be talking to some of the council uh will will uh if you'd like to volunteer you know shoot me a metri- message on matrix and so i could think of a few people better uh, maybe opinionated and vocal than my buddy neil gappa so without further ado let me bring him in and uh neil welcome to the fedora podcast
1: hey eric it's nice to be here it's been a solid hot minute, probably a couple of minutes since I've been on the podcast, and I don't remember being able to see people when I did it last time.
0: You're you're absolutely right. Uh, I think we looked it up the other day. It was like episode fifteen or something, and the uh, uh, the podcast was audio only. It was pre recorded, so we didn't have people like Josh Strobel hanging out in chat saying hello. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess I should say welcome back to the Fedora podcast.
1: <laughs> it's great to be back again.
0: So I'll give you the the initial series of questions that I give everyone. Then I really want to dive into your story. Um, first is who
1: are you? What do you do? And what do you do for fun? Uh, well, um as little thing in the bottom right corner of my little window in this uh, background <laughs> thing shows, my name's Neil Gampa. Uh, I I do stuff like a lot of different things. Um, Uh, all over the open source world kind of got my start. Oh gosh, what was it like 15 plus years ago? uh, Just picking up and doing something, fixing some stuff and packaging up some applications I wanted to use myself and kind of snowballed from there. Um, As I like to say, uh, you know, Fedora's upstream first um, philosophy kind of like got ingrained into me when I first started and, you know, as I found problems and did stuff, it just kind of led me all over the open source world. So I've done little things here and there, all over the place. So I don't know if that's a sufficient answer for for this, but I think that's the best I've got.
0: Well, and and we'll definitely dig into this a little bit deeper. Um, you know, there's there's already been a joke in chat about what doesn't Neil do, and uh, that was. That was kind of um uh, my impression when you and I first started chatting back and forth. I mean, we've we've been on podcasts together. We've uh, been to some of the same conferences. Haven't managed to land at a conference at the same time, although we came close this summer. We did. I almost made it to uh I almost made it to to Flock and uh ended so up close. being ended up being uh, pulled into a couple of other things, but uh <laughs> So it, it was it was you and a few other folks that it was like you're everywhere. Why? Do, when do you sleep?
1: Um, uh, during uh, the the sleeping hours here. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know it's uh, I I pace myself very well when I come to do when I do stuff like this. Like and, and um, a a lot of my approach comes around trying to do the maximal minimal viable. Thing as I like to call it, it's a terrible name to describe this, but the idea is, you know, I look at a problem that I have and I look at how I want to solve it. And I also look at like, can I solve this problem in a reasonably same way across more than one place? So like, I look at what I'm doing in Fedora and I look at what I'm doing in OpenSUSE and I look at what I'm doing uh, in CentOS and and, and whatever. and if I have something that looks like the same problem in, in those places, I try to see if I can re- do this a solution that works for all of them. And then I just push it to everybody. So I, I go and do it in Fedora and I go and do it in OpenSUSE. And the idea there is um, when you do it that way, um, it has a more a stronger chance of actually succeeding because you get consensus across more than one community and also... Um, you, de- you tend to get um, a much more diverse range of, of, of feedback, which can be helpful in developing um, the solution over time and supporting it on the long haul.
0: And, and for those listening, what, what did you call that again? The maximum minimal something?
1: The maximal minimal viable solution.
0: <laughs> oh Neil, you should
1: write a textbook. <laughs> I, oh, man. <laughs> Someday there will be a memoir.
0: There you go. Oh, gosh. And, and if you're in the chat, help, help Neil name his memoir. We'll, we'll take votes. <laughs> so how did the uh, – I, I want to dive into your story. Um, how did you initially get involved in technology?
1: I think the question is, when, when has technology not existed around me? And I think the answer is never. Um, I was – from since I can remember as a, a very small child – uh, I've always been fascinated around technology, computers, and all this stuff, and, and using it, and playing with it, and working around it. Um, from a very early age, like I took a very deep interest into into this stuff. And you know, my first computer that that I used and worked with was essentially a hand-me-down desktop from my from my dad. That uh, was a Gateway 2000 PC. Uh, And it ran uh, Windows NT 4.0 workstation and uh, had this neat feature in the chassis where you could pull out and rotate the drive base so you could turn it from a tower to a pizza box configuration. Uh, Back in the 90s, people people had computers that were horizontal and sitting on your desk. You know, I know that's something that you might people on the internet today may not know of or have ever seen, but you know, it wasn't just laptops that sat on desks. It was actual desktop PCs. The name desktop uh-huh. has a meaning. And I know that's shocking, <laughs> but they used to sit on the desk. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, like that was one of my first computers. And one of the first things I did was like um, blow away windows and T4 and put it into like different operating systems. Like, Windows 98, or then later DOS, and then Red Hat Linux up there. Uh, and, and it kind of snowballed from there. Um, and I, I kind of kept my interest in doing all those kinds of things. And uh, because the, the, the space in particular, like with computers and, and Linux, was so dynamic that like there was always something I found interesting that I wanted to do or play with or whatever, and what got me hooked eventually was being able to do, um, audio work, audio visual stuff. Cause I, you know, i like to play with that sort of thing. And then it kind of just went from there into, um, writing code and, and all these other things. So I've just been, I've been doing it since I can, since I can remember.
0: Hmm. And you, you and I came up in a similar era of technology. Um, it's just interesting how paths diverge, um, like my my dad had an early Macintosh, and then uh, then an iMac, and then our first my my brother and I our first computer was a an E machine running Windows Millennium Edition. Oh my lord! And I blame that I blame that tower for being involved in technology and becoming a systems administrator. But uh, I thought about writing code and programming. But when I when I got to my second programming class and started learning C-sharp, it's just like, no, I cannot do this for the rest (laughs) of my life, 40 to 80 hours a week. No. And and then I looked across the hall and there was was the uh, server room. And so I got started playing with network switches and operating systems and servers and and, you know, the rest is history, but uh, it's, it's really interesting to talk with, with folks. I, I know you and I've talked many a night late into the late into the early hours of the morning, just talking about technology and things that are coming out. Um, was there anything, was there anything in particular, was there an advancement or something that really, really sparked that love of technology or was it just always there?
1: Um, I think it was kind of always there for me. I mean, I think what, ultimately reinforced it and kept me on the path was that my parents supported it. Cause it was, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I, I've met other kids and, and, and during the time that I grew up, you know, being a nerd or geek was not exactly um, uh, rewarded, right? Mm-hmm. Like being knowledgeable in this kind of stuff was not something that was considered cool or good or whatever. And Nowadays it's a lot better, and I'm very grateful mm-hmm. that we have another generation of people that are actually their their interests are being supported by default rather than not. And but but if it weren't for my parents supporting me back then, then I don't I don't think I would have stuck with it. I would have probably fallen back to some of my alternates, which would have probably been in like I don't know physics and chemistry, or maybe just or, or becoming a, um, a, a a manga artist or something like. Mm. Comics and stuff like that was my another interest of mine or or film. Those were the other things that i like I kind of was interested in, and like that if I hadn't been uh supported into being in computers, I probably would have fallen back to one of those other things.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but i I finally got um validation probably see my son is seven, so probably about eight years ago um the the quote basketball star at our, at our school ended up selling uh, my, my last house for me. So uh, (laughs) so just, and he, he, I wasn't going to say anything and, but he he called it out. Yeah. He he actually called it out. He's like, remember all the crap we used to give you in high school for
1: being a nerd.
0: I'm sorry about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, age of the geek. As uh, in one of my one of the shows that I like watching, a uh, leverage, uh, what is it, Hardison? I believe he would say age of the geek, and I'm like, yep, you know what? That's super true.
0: Mm-hmm. So we we talked about technology, and you started kind of tinkering with it for yourself. But when when did you come across open source? When did this start to become? Uh, I'll, I've got, I'll, I'll link another podcast where I was talking about uh, when I realized at some point that Linux is not just a technology. It's not just code that runs on top of hardware. It's, it's an entire community. So what was that moment like for you?
1: Well, so my first encounter with open source doesn't have anything to do with Linux. My first encounter with open source was um, getting a good compiler to... Uh, run programs on DOS. Um, hmm. and I used uh, what was it called? DJ GPP, uh, DJ Delore's GNU um uh, port for MS DOS. And I believe DJ Delore works at Red Hat now. I don't know uh, if they worked at Cygnus back when, back in the before Red Hat acquired Cygnus, or if he if they were just independent or whatever. But DJ Delore's um uh, GNU stack for DOS. Was my first real experience, and that was with having GCC and Emacs and all this stuff. And it was a monumental upgrade over what was available to me as a kid. uh, You know, with you know the QBASIC and MS DOS editor and stuff. And it was such. And and I remember opening up Emacs for the first time and being greeted with the manifesto because when you open up Emacs without any files. Um it'll it'll give you this welcome to Gnu Emacs and it'll guide you through like an introduction to Emacs and an introduction to the Gnu project. And from there it just kind of uh, you know, it it made a the first spark of it was the realization that open source was actually about people and about uh, and about what people wanted and needed. Um, rather than this, you know, cold if you think about it from a microeconomics perspective of consumers and producers. Mm. Um, You know, fast forward a few years later and, you know, I discovered Linux and I started installing Red Hat Linux on my computer. And, you know, I got onto IRC and started hanging out in the the chat channels asking for help about doing stuff. And I think that's where the second point clicked in when someone helped me by pointing me to X386 and giving me a couple of patches and saying, "You know, try this. I just wrote this off the cuff for you. Can you can you uh, put this all together? And see if it fixes your problem." For reference, the problem was that I couldn't get my monitor to stop degaussing randomly because it was going at a high enough resolution that the that the the, the knobs for it. Because back back then, you know, you didn't have this plug and play thing where it could detect through EDID all the resolutions and refresh rates. It was doing something wrong, and I didn't know what it was doing. And and this person on the internet, who I don't know who it was or anything, just wrote this patch for me and said, "Just compile all this and see if it works." Well, I don't, I never figured out whether it worked because I broke my entire system doing it because uh, I didn't actually know how to <laughs> compile uh, x86. And and just for some context for all you people, it's not configure make make install with uh, x86. They use their own old build system scripts. I think it, you know, the internet calls them "I make." I don't actually know what their formal name was, but it was horrible, and it uh, was not. It was very difficult to actually get working right. So I broke my computer. But the realization of somebody tried to help me just because they could and wanted to, uh, because they wanted to be helpful. That was actually one of the first experiences I had of something like that because you know, outside of that circumstance, I really hadn't had people do that for me. And so that was open source is, to me, like a community of people that want to help other people. Um, and and that, uh, I think, underpins the way I approach open source as well.
0: Hmm. So you, you were contributed to, but what was your first contribution? What was the first bit of code that you ever had submitted?
1: Well, the first thing I ever wrote was an installer for virtual dub written in NSIS that the guy didn't like. Um, so, but that led to the first project I ever worked on where I did get patches in, which was the experience UI, which was a skin for the Nullsoft scriptable install system, NSIS. And I met that person on the internet and Um, and, and I told him like, Hey, I like this thing, but this particular thing didn't work. Here's my attempt to try to fix it. And we became friends and started working on it together as a project until a few years later, where we started making, um, a CMS system together, the nano CMS. So this other person was Daniel Fury, uh, who, uh, a few years later, um, right after I graduated college and had my first job, which I flamed out of um he uh referred me and helped me get uh launched my career as a devops engineer professionally uh when i joined uh um datto back in 2015 and i stayed there for 8 years um so uh a- and it was kind of a two-way street because i had started diving deeper into linux at the same time and i took him along for the ride and so uh, we both kind of did it together. And while our paths eventually diverged, and then came back together and then diverged again, um, the, the experience of getting involved in open source and in Linux and, and the free software community was um, really, really big to me. And around that same time, um, I got into Ubuntu in uh, at first, and then later Fedora as a contributor. Uh, and brought in my first package into Fedora, which is no longer in Fedora today because reasons, but it was a tool called OgConvert, which what it would do is use GStreamer uh, to convert anything that GStreamer supported to Og, vorbis, and Theora. It was written in PyGTK, and, uh, and it's no longer in Fedora because it's in Python 2, and nobody worked on it anymore for years and years, so it I was a little sad when I had to retire the first package I ever made. But uh, uh, yeah, Uh, it was kind of as I found things that I wanted to do, or there were things that I felt like I, you know, I wanted to have to, to make my experience a little better. I would go and try to figure out either how to help someone else do it or to do it myself and then try to, to, to make the result available to, to other people. And because that came, that stems all the way back to that first time with the guy with the x 386 86 thing of, you know, I, I'm trying to help pay it forward and everybody who has done all this stuff in open source has helped everyone else. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's my little way of also helping everyone else by paying it forward in that respect.
0: I oh, love that. Uh, <clears throat> not being much of a, not being much of a developer myself, Um, I, I ended up finding other ways to contribute back to the community and that's, that's why we have all this today. In fact, um, you've been around for pretty much most of the ride all the way back from, uh, when we used to hang out on Tuesday afternoons on Linux unplugged to the ask Noah show. And then, uh, you're one of our very first super fans for uh, for the pseudo show and eventually became uh, brandon's and my recommendation to backfill me as I moved off to um, i I ended up taking on some packages or uh, some some projects at Red Hat where I work and uh, so i've got I've got two shows there i' and now i've I've picked up the fedora podcasts and uh, so it's it, it's been amazing to have people. Uh and, and that's kind of why I asked if you would be our, our first how do you Fedora guest, because I I know the kind of person you are. We've never met in public. We've no, never No, we met still
1: haven't. We've face-to-face. almost crossed paths so many times. It's almost <laughs> it's ridiculous how many times we've almost crossed paths.
0: But I mean, just that just that sheer love of technology and and that that drive you have to help others find their love to uh, to overcome obstacles, um to find that next step in their career. I mean, it really it, it really uh, embodies the spirit of open source, and, and Na says that we should end up at Flock next year, which I think is in the states. So I might I'm be able to make. I'm crossing my it.
1: fingers. I would like for it to be slightly more affordable <laughs> this time because it was not cheap flying to Ireland. I mean, Ireland was fun, but I would like for it to hurt my pocketbook a little bit less.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Um, okay, so let's let's bring this back. Um so what, what got you involved with the Fedora community and what are you doing there today? Oh,
1: so I got involved in Fedora actually as kind of an, an interesting side. So I mentioned a little bit ago that I first started in Ubuntu and then jumped into Fedora. Um, so I was I've been a Red Hat Linux user in the in the early from 2000 all the way up until 2005 ish, I think. Yeah. And at that point, I started using Ubuntu and Fedora at the same time on different systems. Um, so I started with I think like it was Fedora Core, I want to say three or four, um, and and uh, and also used Ubuntu five hundred four, and so Breezy Badger, and I used them on different systems, and I got involved in both communities at basically the same time as a contributor type. Um, with Ubuntu, that was mostly being involved in their forums and and hanging around with helping people in IRC and stuff like that. Um, but I kind of realized somewhat quickly that I couldn't really do more than that in Ubuntu at the time. And I started kind of hunting around of another place. I found CentOS. It was embroiled in its own war, so I kind of left there. Again, this is 2005, 2006, people. There's turbulence in there um, mm-hmm. someday somebody will talk about it. It's, it's a lot. Um, but I also then decided to look at Fedora uh, again and, and try to become uh, and and do some stuff there. So there were some applications I was using on my own that I'd like installed from source or whatever. And I was like, well, can I make this available to other people in an easy way? And I learned about RPM packaging and I gave it a shot. And back then Fedora um, sponsor package uh, Fedora had this concept of sponsors and proven packagers and all this other stuff. I mean, they still have the concept today, but back then, the the packager sponsors were also mentors, and so they were they were supposed to teach you how to do packaging, how to work with the Fedora tooling and stuff like that. Um, and my mentor, my sponsor back then, was Brian Pepple who's not really involved in Fedora anymore these days, but um, he helped me get started um, with my first package, um, ogconvert, and taught me how to do the basics of Python pack- packaging of Python stuff. And this all kind of started because um, the upstream convert project had an RPM spec file that didn't work. And so I made one and then put it in Fedora and kind of kept doing that uh, and eventually branched out into things then Avant Window Navigator because I wanted a cool dock on my computer screen and there wasn't one in Fedora at the time. Um, and then I did a bunch of other things and it just kind of spread out from there, um, uh, going on and on and on. Those packages that I first started out with they don't exist in Fedora anymore. But I would, but you know, that's because things have changed. Vol, for example, docks aren't as cool anymore. A lot of them have been integrated into desktops directly, so separate programs for them aren't needed. I'll convert. I'll convert probably would have still been around if somebody took it up and like rewrote it into something that was maintainable. Like there was an attempt to rewrite it to Vala that didn't get done. That didn't get finished. And it was still in Python two and he used an old version of GStreamer. Like that was, none of that was going to work anymore. And so, um, but yeah, like I got involved in Fedora as a contributor um then, and it just snowballed into the point where I just started gradually doing more stuff. I got involved in Fedora server, I got involved in Fedora KDE, I got involved in the cloud, I got involved in 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 snaps, which then led me into a workstation and all this other stuff. Like so, like there's been some fun detours along the way, but at this point I think I'm on like, let's see, Fedora KDE, Fedora Workstation, Fedora Cloud, Fedora server, Fedora Rust, which I helped co-found. Uh Fedora Go, Fedora Python. uh, Like there's a bunch of other, yeah, a bunch of things there. And the most recent thing was, you know, founding Fedora Sahi, right? And and, and I just, I do this because, um, like, I have the knowledge and the capability and other people, you know, maybe they need a little bit of assistance. Maybe they need a kickstart. Maybe they need a boost. Maybe they need... Uh, maybe they need something that I know and can help with up front. And I, I dive right in because I want to help people, you know, I want to help people succeed in, in what they want to have and what they want to do. And, and that sometimes means I'm in a little bit of everything.
0: (laughs) (coughs) So you you mentioned Obanzusa, you mentioned Ubuntu, you mentioned Fedora, what what's it like sitting at the crossroads of a bunch of these different projects? I, I think we have, I, I think the community at large kind of has this uh, this concept that all these different distributions, desktop environments are just at each other's throats that it's, 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 it's a distro war almost. Is is that how things are sitting at, at this crossroads or or do you have a different view?
1: As you were saying that, Josh was posting in here that says, I'm the reason that <laughs> Budgie is in Fedora. And it's like, which is actually sort of true because, like, several years before, I had gotten involved in Solus for a brief time and had worked with Ike Doherty on Budgie. And uh, and I tr- attempted to package Budgie desktop for Fedora um, and kind of gave up for a while. And then Josh took it over later when he took over Buddies of Budgie and then brought it in and all that other stuff. I also did this with the Lumina project. I was briefly involved in the TrueOS and, and PCBSD thing. Helped bring Lumina into Fedora um, and a bunch of other distributions. Um, but you asked, what's it like to be in 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 all these, and and whether there's a distro war of sorts? Um, if the distributions are sufficiently large and sufficiently diverse, um, you tend to see that they have a lot more of a coopetition type feel to them. Um, they're friendly with each other, they collaborate and stuff, but there are obviously differences of opinion where which leads to some divergences. So for example, Fedora and OpenSUSE have a ton of collaborative efforts and there's a lot of things going on both behind the scenes and to the front lines where you see convergence happening. But there's also aspects of divergence. Um, for example, um, Fedora has not yet adopted a boot to snapshot strategy because the way that we do um, the operating system initialization and and the way we structure our ButterFS setup is different from OpenSUSE's. And there are uh, good reasons for those differences. Uh, Does that mean that we aren't learning from what OpenSUSE does or OpenSUSE isn't learning from what we do and and adapt accordingly? No, We, we still talk to each other. We do a lot of stuff on that front. Um, and Ubuntu talks to us from time to time. And I think we see more of them in the upstream projects sometimes, like particularly with Gnome and, and a couple of other places. But, um, I, I think I, I tend to see slightly more Debian upstream Debian folks than I do Ubuntu folks because they, Debian's a much more diverse group. But as you kind of get into the more, um, the smaller distro teams, um, I think you tend to see it sometimes turn from a, cooperative feel to a competitive feel um, for various reasons. Sometimes distributions are set up out of spite. Sometimes distributions are set up um, over um, a falling out. Sometimes distributions are set up over, you know, a, a change in direction. And so depending on the underlying motivations for creating a particular distribution, you will see that community ultimately inherit that that feel of that culture. Um, I you and I, I'm sure we could think of a few distributions like this within even the Red Hat ecosystem where those differences are very stark. And you can tell based on, you know, where their starts were, where their starting points were and how that's seeded into the culture of the project and things like that. That's true everywhere, right? You'll see this all over the place across different projects.
0: No, I, I couldn't think of, couldn't think no. of even one. No, no,
1: not, not at all. I'm not even going to, like, <laughs> cough up a hint. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes.
0: So. Um,
1: but so, I will yeah. add one last bit about this. Go right? Just because I remembered. Um, I think people, within the open source communities, it's very easy to operate within your bubble. It's even harder to go out. And, like, one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, I I don't personally think I do a ton of amazing things or a lot of great stuff or whatever. But what I have noticed that I do is that I can see, uh, a, I can see the connections and I can see the differences and I can kind of, I can take both an insider and an outsider view of things and people tend to notice that a lot. Like I, people like Josh say, oh, Neil's everywhere and it's like, and, and doing all the things and it's just like I'm just actually and a lot of times I'm just communicating and mediating and bridging. The bridging different communities together so that everyone benefits from each other's knowledge and experience, and and, and I'm happy to play that role. It's it, it, there just aren't that many people doing it, and so it's it tends to be easy to think that uh, open source is a lot more isolated than than it is because I mean it feels like that most of the time. Um, Yes, breaking down the silos, as Jay Starhawk says. Is, yeah. And in some respect, I guess that kind of relates to me being, a, you know, in, in a previous role, being a DevOps engineer. And like the whole mantra about DevOps is breaking down silos. I've been Maybe. doing it since before I was a DevOps engineer. I made it before it was cool and possibly after it was cool.
0: <laughs> so you, you've gotten a ton of kudos in the chat. And I'm sure a lot of these folks probably want to know, what are you working on right now?
1: Huh. Well, so the big projects I'm working on right now um, are mostly around Fedora KDE and and Fedora Sahi. I also got some stuff floating around in OpenSUSE, helping out um, the OpenSUSE Calpa folks who are making their version of Fedora Kinoite using ButterFS and transactional update. Um, the 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 big thing at the, at this very moment, I'm kind of focused on you know getting the Fedora Asahi Remix to its first stable release. Um, I'm also doing some work um, in the background in Fedora infrastructure around, um, you know, helping get some of the newest versions of our infrastructure software packaged and available on top of RHEL 9 so that our infrastructure can be upgraded because some of it's on really old stuff and we really don't want it to be there anymore. Um, (laughs) And, also, kind of in in OpenSUSE, I'm also involved in the OpenSUSE Heroes, which is the equivalent of the Fedora Infrastructure Team, and I help maintain um, our the OpenSUSE Forge, uh, their Pagger instance, which is code. similar to Fedora's Paggerio. And uh, outside of that, like um, you know, doing some doing doing some other stuff here and there, trying to um, wherever I'm. I, Recently, with multimedia, I've been doing a lot around FFmpeg and OBS Studio, and because like I'm doing my own, I'm doing streaming myself, and I want to be able to have all this stuff work out of the box in Fedora. So I'm trying to scratch my own itch on that front. So those are kind of the things that I'm working on. But the Fedora Sahi infrastructure stuff, Fedora KDE, uh, you know, the big thing right now is working towards Plasma Six. You know, the big push to um, for Fedora KDE to be uh, with Wayland as, the, as the, ex- the sole experience, you know, polishing up all the edges with upstream KDE's help to make sure everything's all uh, fit and finished for that. Um, other stuff along those lines. These days I do a lot of desktop related stuff as opposed to cloudy server stuff because, uh, you know, the server stuff is fine. And while the cloud and the cloud stuff, like all the basic cloud stuff, is in a good state now, uh, but like the desktop stuff, and I feel like that has a lot. Uh, that that has a lot of potential, and it's something I'm very passionate about. And I want to make it good across uh, across all the places that I I want to do stuff in. So like you know, I want to have cloud. I want to have good desktops, a good desktop experience on my own computer, but I also want to offer good desktop experience for others and you know cloud based desktops for people that need emergency backup instances in the cloud or on a VPS or whatever doing all kinds of interesting stuff like that what
0: about what about future plans and i don't mean just like next year like long term where where do you
1: see yourself king of the world love it <laughs> done but no, we, can se- the,
0: we can close that question <laughs>
1: yeah. No, seriously um longer term um i don't know um, I kind of take, I tend to take things more a day at a time and I, I used to be somewhat a neurotic grand perfectionist type person, but after plan after plan and 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 detail after detail getting blown up in my face a lot and basically having meltdowns over it, I, I kind of learned to kind of take a step back from my blood pressure, among other things, and and start to kind of take it as it goes, but... Um, like I have some, I have some cool things that I, that I'd like to see. I mean, my, my personal hope is to start, you know, driving more towards, you know, getting this Fedora on computers, uh, thing rolling in, in such a way that we have this, you know, my personal hope would be to have a large swath of, of choices for people to get Fedora preloaded on it and, and be able to have a, an out of the box Linux experience that I would be proud of.
0: Hmm. A huge push right now. In fact, we just had a special edition of the Fedora podcast last week, um, talking about the new Fedora slim book. So oh. if you missed that episode, go check it out.
1: Oh yeah. No, slim book people are great. Um, the first time I met them, uh, was a few years ago and then, and, and they helped me out with, uh, you know, helping supercharge my ability to do some work on, on Wayland related stuff. Um, and last year I met them properly first time at Academy and, you know, they kind of gave me a sneak peek of, of the model that would eventually become the Fedora slim book. And I was incredibly impressed. So, you know, the quality of that machine is, is pretty out there. Uh, and, you know, I'm personally looking forward to the framework myself. I've got one, I've got a framework 16 pre-ordered that I'm, I'm looking forward to actually finally get and and throw Fedora on it and, and use it as my daily driver uh, for my for my main working environment I mean, right now i'm working off of a mini pc i bought like five years ago as a backup computer um <laughs> and it's now my only one right now so yeah all
0: right so here's here's your chance i, I know that uh, neil doesn't have much of a reputation for being opinionated so oh you know, this, yeah, no I, I i understand if this is difficult for you to answer <laughs> hmm <laughs> But what would you tell somebody just getting started, whether it's with technology, open source, their career, or Fedora, any spectrum, all the spectrums. What what would you tell somebody just getting started?
1: Find out what motivates you to go do things. Um, Find a positive alignment for that. And then blend that with the things that you're interested in. And you can't go wrong. So if you find yourself motivated by seeing what's wrong in the world or what's wrong in, in, in your computing experience or what's wrong in, you know, a particular um, toy or something like that or something that you're making or whatever, uh, instead of thinking about the, the negative side of the coin, which is all oh, this is all not this is all bad and I can't really, and, and, and it sucks and there's nothing I can do about it. Think about the ways that you would improve it and see if there's a way that you can make that improvement real and then kind of go from there. Taking that kind of an attitude towards things um, will almost always be a stronger self-sustaining motivation than something that's externally driven because ultimately the person that's doing the effort is you and you got to want to do what you're doing. And if you don't want to do what you're doing, it's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Someone in here mentioned intrinsic motivation. Yes, that's technically, I think, the term for this. <laughs>
0: well, uh, There's been a couple of questions about uh, your your new uh, spin. Um, gosh, I just blanked. As- Asahi. Goodness, mm-hmm. it's been a long day. Uh, so uh, the gist of the questions was, can we expect uh, the first day we'll release soon? What What are we looking at timeline timeline wise?
1: Gosh, I hope it's soon. Um, <laughs> so, in all seriousness, the number of, from from the Fedora Sahi six side, um, most of our blockers are now cleared. Um, we are We are currently looking at a Fedora thirty nine based target. Um, at this point in time, the more concerning thing, at, at the more the thing of our concern, is Fedora 39's own release schedule. Mm. So there's, you know, there's been a few blockers here that are being worked on. Things are looking better now. We will see how that goes. But uh, from the perspective of what for the Fedora Sahi remix, my expectations will be shortly out past that. When exactly, I don't know. But we don't. We're a lot of this has been kind of um, dragging through our own schedules and the different contributor stuff. And a lot of us got sick for a, uh, for a month, which really slowed things down. And uh, and yeah, we'll. I'm I'm crossing my fingers for soon, TM. We I just gave a talk at Linux Fest Northwest um, uh, this like on Saturday. Uh, so the this just this past weekend, and I believe they uploaded the videos already. Um, that where me and Davida Kalvica uh, gave a talk about the Fedora Sahi remix, and you know we told you then we told them then that we're we're looking for soon, and and that's pretty much all I can really say about it at this point. But I promise y'all, when we do, it's gonna be it's gonna be very exciting, and mm-hmm. and you're gonna. You can still try it now. Like the, you can get the beta um, and install it on your machines now, just by uh, going to fedora-sahi-remix.org.
0: Awesome. Well, as we start to wrap up today's episode, are there any closing thoughts? Any any last minute topics that you wanna you wanna go over?
1: I think that this has been a weird episode because I don't usually talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> um but this has been fun and i really would like to come back again to talk about stuff rather than me uh because it's very weird talking about me but you know <laughs> uh, i hope that other people um uh, kind of get uh, an idea of like how i uh, you know how i work and think and maybe someone will be inspired by what I said to to pursue something interesting in open source, whether that's writing code, doing packaging, documentation, artwork, marketing, all the things. Like, sure, go for it. Uh, like, the open source is made up of is, is all about the community, and the community is all about the people. And if you're if people are in and 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 willing to do stuff to support what they what they want and what they believe in, then great things can happen.
0: You're getting lots of kudos in the chat um, and, uh, and several votes for you to come back onto the show. And, and uh, I think we've got you tagged in a, a, at least two upcoming episodes. One, oh. one being Asahi. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've been voluntold for a couple of others that. Uh... Yeah.
1: I, I, re- I distinctly <laughs> remember being voluntold for this one too. So, you know, <laughs> I don't mind, but you know, We got to make sure that I actually know that I've been voluntold first.
0: (laughs) But uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you, you agreed to come on and talk about uh, how you fedora and uh, you, you've been a, you've been a big help and encouragement in in my own journey Um, and doing stuff like this was never in, in the cards. In fact, if you would have told uh, high school, Eric, that he was eventually going to write papers and uh, give presentations and, and all sorts of things like that uh, for a living and enjoy it and then do it in his spare time as well. I would have called you nuts, but but (laughs) I would have called
1: called you nuts if you, if anyone had told my high school self, I was going to be anywhere like this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But uh, you were one of the people that was in my corner that pushed me to do this. And, and Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember maybe not quite a year into the pseudo show, just feeling like we'd hit a wall and just, It's not growing. It's not doing anything more. Um, and, uh, and you and I hung out, you and I think Brandon and I hung out late into the night, uh, over drinks. And we're just chatting after, after one of the pseudo hangouts and, uh, and really just chatting about, you know, this is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Mm. And, uh, so I'm, for for that, I'm very, very appreciative. And I know that you do that for so many people out in the community. So if, if you're new to the community, if you want to get involved, um, reach out to Neil. Um, we'll have a lot of his contact information in the show notes uh, in the next hour or so. Um, I've, I've got to do chapter markers and links and all that good stuff. But uh, once oh, we get that put, put together... <laughs> it's a mess right now so hopefully i can clean it up a little bit but uh you've got a github sponsor link you've got uh social links all all the things those will be in the show notes and i've got uh, a website and i i saw that comment so you will will add neil's new website in there as well um if you're following the uh, Fedora podcast, or if you came to the Fedora podcast just to troll Neil in the chat, which is what I would have done if I wasn't hosting the episode, um, <laughs> make sure to hit that like like button and uh, and share this episode out with friends. Uh, but also make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit that bell so you get notified anytime we go live, because you never know when we'll have a crazy new announcement and have an extra episode like last week. So this is three weeks. We've had three episodes. Um, so if we could like throw together a quick announcement, uh, we could have four and four and four weeks, but, uh, I, I think, uh, I think I need to go to bed.
1: <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to do it anyway. <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't have uh, unless we have a crazy topic uh, come up out of the blue. Uh, We'll be live again in two weeks where if I can pull it off, we're going to try and pull together several of the Fedora program managers, uh, including Matthew Miller himself, to talk about the history of Fedora because Fedora's birthday is coming up here in just a few weeks. And then sometime shortly after that, we'll have fedora Linux 39 and all the spins and labs that go with it. So stay tuned to this channel. Um, if you're catching the audio version, um, you can also catch this on YouTube. You can see Neil's beautiful face and you can also see my dog trying to go back to sleep. I think he's trying uh, to eat your floor. (laughs) That's what it looks like. (laughs) But, uh, With that said, I'm going to go and lay down. I've been in uh, Ansible training this week, and so my brain is fried. So, Neil, thank you very much for carrying most of the episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I I guess you're welcome, I think.
0: (laughs) All right, folks. Thank you all for joining us live. If you've joined us after the fact, there, there'll there be a thread on discussion.fedoraproject.org. Uh, there's, of course, the YouTube Commons thread anywhere, uh, and, and a podcast channel on Fedora's uh, matrix space. So plenty of places to engage with Neil, myself, Fedora, and a whole bunch of other contributors and uh, community members. So Uh, we will see you again in two weeks. Again, I've been Eric, the it guy. And, um, my guest today was Neil Gampa, and we are talking about how do you fedora? So, um, Oh, one last thing, be sure to submit somebody in the comments or to me directly. Uh, if you, if you can think of someone who should be our next, how do you fedora podcast guest with that said, that's far too many call to actions in, in the space of two minutes, but, you can tell I'm tired and I'm rambling. So, with that, I'm going to end the episode and we will see you all in two weeks. Thank you all so much.